Come Holy Spirit, come by means of the powerful intercession of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, thy beloved spouse, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Every year on the second Sunday of Lent, the Church gives us a glimpse, you can say, of the glory and divinity of Jesus in his transfiguration on Mount Tabor in Galilee. The word transfiguration means to undergo a change in figure or appearance. I quote Father John Harvard here, the great catechist. He defines the transfiguration as the glorification of the appearance of Jesus with intense light before his resurrection. And in this mystery, which is actually the fourth luminous mystery in the new set of mysteries of light that St. John Paul II gave to the Church, and we find say, a call or a summons to put our faith and hope in Jesus and to strive for that holiness which he is the exemplar par excellence. The top of Mount Tabor is about a thousand feet above the ground in northern Galilee. I remember being there about 25 years ago and taking the road up Mount Tabor, um, a long winding road, and you can see the whole countryside from the top of Mount Tabor. Jesus took Peter, James, and John up to the top of this mount. The same three apostles would separate off when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane to be close to him and to witness his passion. And <clears throat> the purpose of his bringing these three apostles up with him uh, was to manifest his glory to them. And it's important to realize that this takes place six days after Jesus makes his first prophecy to them, he foretells that he is going to go to Jerusalem, going to be handed over to the Pharisees, the elders, the chief priests. He will be mocked, scourged, and put to death, and then rise from the dead. Well, Jesus, after he tells them this, wants his disciples to see him transfigured in order to strengthen their faith for the coming passion, so that they would not have their faith shaken, lose faith in him. And Jesus reveals his divinity to them, one by letting light shine about him. His face is bright as the sun, his clothes become radiant like light. And Moses and Elijah appear with Jesus. Why is that? Well, Moses represents the law from the Old Testament, and Elias represents the prophets. He's the first of the great prophets. Even though we don't read a separate book by him, he's told about in the, in the books of Kings. And this tells us, is a revelation, you could say, that the whole Old Testament the Law and the Prophets is a preparation for the coming of Jesus Christ. And Moses and Elijah speak of Jesus' departure. 
this Passover from death to life is going to the Father because he will leave the apostles after his resurrection from the dead 40 days later. I'll just throw in a little comment here, just on opening day of the movie this past Friday, I went to see the movie Arisen, which is a, a, a fictional account of a, a Roman tribune who happened to be at uh, arrived after Christ's crucifixion, saw him dead, and then is investigating the the killing of Jesus, uh, the murder of Jesus, but um, the disappearance of his body. And um, I, I'll just say that it's, it's worth seeing, I think. It's well done, well acted. But Jesus would depart from this world after his resurrection, after 40 days and ascend into heaven. And his transfiguration reveals his divinity by invoking also an inspiring testimony of, you could say, the whole Trinity, uh, manifesting who Jesus is. This cloud settles over Jesus and Moses, Elijah, the apostles. That cloud is a symbol of the Holy Spirit, the Shekinah it's called. Uh, that cloud was over the tent that traveled about in the desert for 40 days, uh, overshadowed the Ark of the Covenant. And that same overshadowing by the Holy Spirit is seen here at the transfiguration of our Lord. And then the Father is heard speaking, this is my beloved Son, listen to him. So what is the meaning of the transfiguration of our Lord for us? Well. Jesus is predicting, or foreshadowing, you could say, his coming triumph, his resurrection, his victory over sin and death. And this is his promise that if we believe and hope in him alone, that we will share that eternal life in the kingdom. The transfiguration was meant to strengthen the apostles for their coming apostolate after Jesus ascends into heaven, after he departs from this world, uh, they would go out and would be preaching the news to the world as Jesus commanded them to do with that great uh, command that he gave them, go out and preach to all the nations and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And most of them would meet their death in doing so. Another aspect of the transfiguration is that Jesus gives his disciples a foretaste of heaven, and it really reveals that in order to attain that glory, we must suffer first. That's what Jesus did. He didn't enter into his glory, uh, but through his first suffering and dying on the cross. First the cross, then the crown. And the church prevents presents this mystery of the Transfiguration to us the second Sunday of Lent every year, really to strengthen our resolve to share on the cross of Christ, to prepare us for future trials, whatever may come. Jesus tells us that his grace is sufficient for us, and really to cheer us, encourage us amid the, the rigors of this Lenten season, which used to be 40 days of fasting, Church's rule has 
ease since that time, but it's still a period of, of penance, of self-denial, and we have to maintain our, our good resolutions during this Lenten season. And in our following of Christ, we must walk the way of suffering to glory, just as he did. And Jesus tells us this in the Gospel of Luke, for example. He says, unless you take up your cross every day, you cannot be my disciple. We all receive crosses, some larger than others, and Christ's grace always sustains us. He knows how much we can bear in the crosses he gives us. One of the things we, we can take from, from this transfiguration scene is, is the virtue of hope, especially uh, the object of hope is heaven, the glory of heaven. And one of the beautiful lines of St. Paul in his epistle to the Philippians is this, our citizenship is in heaven, and from there we await a savior who will change our mortal bodies to conform with his glorified body. I often choose that reading for, for funeral masses because it really sums up the, the goal of the Christian life. Um, a reminder that our true citizenship is not here on earth. No, our true citizenship is in heaven. We are only here on earth, relatively speaking, a brief time. The Psalms tell us like a breath here and we're gone. Eternity awaits us, and in a mortal life, in eternal life, with God and the kingdom, if we bear our cross, and we, we do await a Savior. Jesus will come at the end of the world in, in glory, and the dead will rise, the final judgment will take place, and those who have lived and died in Christ's grace will rise with bodies glorified to share the eternal life in the kingdom. And the transfiguration is our hope for this, because the apostles see it, we see Jesus transfigured in glory. By reflecting on our Lord's glorious transfiguration, we should be encouraged to continue our Lenten practices, whatever they may be, fasting, giving up sweets, or television, it's a great one, okay. And we remember that Jesus is always helping us with his grace, our victory, our ultimate victory, that risen glorified state is certain, is certain if we remain close to him, if we bear our daily crosses. The ultimate victory is that citizenship in heaven, in the kingdom, where we will share eternal life with Jesus and Mary, who now have glorified bodies. And our hope is that we will share in that glorified state with Jesus, Mary, with all the angels and saints. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.